Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins are struggling a little bit in the lead-up to the NHL's trade deadline coming up next Friday, March 3rd. Of course, they've lost three straight games, all of them being two Metropolitan Division opponents, which knocks them out of a playoff spot as we sit here today on February 23rd sitting just about a point behind, I believe it's Florida's in there right now, and the New York Islanders are in there right now. And don't look, but the Detroit Red Wings have just weaseled their way right into contention, now have a higher percentage chance of making the postseason as we sit here today than the Washington Capitals. So you got to watch out for those pesky Red Wings now too. Horwat, obviously things are not going perfectly for the Pittsburgh Penguins at the moment. They're going to be looking to make a move or two, we at least hope so, in the next week. And you have a little bit of information as you uh, put on your super spy brain and your super spy glasses and looked over to the management box yesterday at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. What did you see when you looked over there, Horwat? Well, I mean, I guess I could just tell the whole story. So, yeah, the little perch that sits over the rank normally, uh, you know, you'll see Burke. Uh, Ron Hextall, some other some other people usually sit up there too. Um, Danny Shirey of uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports got the thread going of saying it's just Burke sitting up there today, which by the way is nothing much. Uh, I've seen just Burke up there before. Literally just last practice, actually, it was just Burke for a long time. Then Ron kind of walked out. There was a, converse- a quick conversation, and then Ron walked back into the office. So like, depending who's sitting up there doesn't mean much to me. But I looked up there and just kind of noticed before anything really happened, I just noticed, oh, there's like work going on on the TV screen that is visible, by the way, uh, in the office behind him. There's like, you know, where they sit and there's like big glass windows, like big glass door. You can see there's just a TV screen. I noticed, I'm like, oh, that looks like a lineup card. You can just see the four forward lines, two, uh, three defensive lines and two goalies. And they're like, there's definitely work going on. Like mm-hmm. lineup cards, Excel spreadsheets are getting pulled out. I'm like, there's just business operations happening back there but i'm i'm because there's work going on i'm curious i can see it from where i'm sitting and i keep watching and i notice hmm that's cat friendly <laughs> those blue and red marks on cat friendly are just you can't miss them yeah they're very uh, distinct yeah 
So I can definitely say cat friendly was up there, and that's kind of what popped my tweet off. I just said, hey, you know what? That was cat friendly. Then the cat friendly page jumped to, and I'm not going to go too much into detail. I'm just going to say what I can at least confirm that I saw. Uh, that it jumped to a player profile page on NHL.com, and it was a goalie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it at that because I cannot confirm anything further. All I can say is that I thought maybe they were doing some pre-scouting for maybe maybe they're looking at, at, at an Edmonton goalie to get an idea because we're at a three-game losing streak, and Edmonton's really good. <laughs> maybe they're doing some pre-scouting on a goalie. I uh, went to Edmonton's goalie pages. Both of them were wearing white jerseys, and... Uh, the player I saw is definitely wearing a darker jersey, so yeah, they were uh, they were doing some work on a goalie. I'll leave it at that because uh, I cannot confirm from my eyesight, literally across the rink through a glass window. <laughs> yeah, uh, I cannot confirm too much more than that. Shortly after I saw that, and they were on the page for quite a while. Uh, shortly after I saw that, screen shuts down. You know, uh, at meetings over everyone gets up and leaves three men including ron hextall get up and leave the room and that was that so hey uh if uh if if a goalie is moved around at the deadline for the penguins don't be shocked mm-hmm. or be shocked i don't know i saw a goalie on that screen though i'll leave it at that and cat friendly was up mm-hmm. yeah a couple things obviously on on what you saw yesterday because you were texting me and also front of the show Doug Gladkey who was very excited uh, about yes. all the rumors that you were starting to spread even though you can't confirm anything <laughs> can't confirm anything uh, yeah but and one will, the name that I'm assuming I will not say yeah but one I'm glad to see that these guys use the same sites as us not that I not that I thought that there would be something else but I thought maybe they they compile their own information but why do that when all the information so well compiled on cap friendly um, hockey reference is is a site that I know a lot of people in the league use and nhl.com I mean it's the resources we have to to our ability to be able to look and evaluate the game and it's it's nice to know that they do the same thing I was a little surprised to see them use cap friendly I'm not gonna lie I just thought maybe there was some back-end thing that like only hockey professionals had or NHL professionals had access to <laughs> I don't know why I just assumed that I yeah. mean maybe that was like what was some of those lineup cards and Excel spreadsheets I saw maybe that's what that was uh, but I mean definitely jumping to cap friendly like I said that's the one thing I will confirm because those red and blue marks you know when at the uh, RFA and UFA years unmistakable you cannot miss that mm-hmm. um, and I tried to line up you know, what marks I saw to yeah. other teams on this couldn't do it because that I only saw it for like a handful of seconds, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was unmistakable. So they're using the same stuff we are. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun, but also do you have inside track stuff or not? I'm sure they do. I'm sure I they do. I guarantee you yeah. they do. If for anything else, they obviously have, you know, the general manager's group text that we yes. know exists or email chain that we know exists and all that other fun stuff. But uh, you know, it's not like those are bad resources to use. Like, there's a reason that everybody uses Cap Friendly. There's a reason that everyone uses either Hockey DB or Hockey Reference. Yeah, I guess they have to stay true to the shield. Use the uh, the NHL.com site. But no, uh, I honestly, whenever you texted me that, I was like, okay. And then you texted me the name of who you thought you saw, which we're not going to say that because it's just, you know, I listen, yeah. Horwat, I love you. But we both wear glasses for a reason. I'm sure there was mm-hmm. a lot of squinting going on in so that it, instance. It, it was far. That screen was far away. Yeah. I could just tell it was definitely goalie pads. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I mean, it's goalies, unmistakable. 
Yeah. Goalie setup versus a player setup is completely different. So this that brings me to the second thing I wanted to mention. Cool that the Penguins are looking for a goaltender. I think everybody has agreed that a goaltender should be something they're thinking about. And with eight days to the NHL trade deadline, I'm sure they're thinking about many things. Like, let's let's put that out there right now. They're not zeroing in on one or two positions. I guarantee you that with eight days left, every organization in the National Hockey League, except for maybe the Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes of the world, they're evaluating every corner of their roster to say, where can we improve in the next eight days? And the Pittsburgh Penguins, it stands to reason that they might need improvement at the goaltender ranks. I know that Jari has come back. I know that Jari looked solid for his own part in that first game back. But for the past two months, it hasn't looked pretty. And Jari's injury has been a hard one to predict where it's going to land day in and day out. So, yes, I understand why that is a position that they would be looking at. But also, that is like the third or fourth highest need, in my opinion, in my opinion, for this team. And I, I put out, obviously, a Penguins to go last week, I believe, on it, of their, their needs and ranking them by position. And goaltender was third. I said, you need a third-line center first and foremost, because you don't have anybody in the organization that can challenge Jeff Carter. And I said you need middle six wingers, so one, you can challenge some of the top six for once this season, and two, you can at least bolster the beginning of your bottom six. And then maybe you look at a goaltender, and then maybe you look at a defenseman who we've seen a lot of things about Luke Shen potentially being on the Penguins' radar, which, again, a right-handed defenseman in which the Penguins have four already I don't like that rumor particularly, but I see why they would need a defenseman just on the left side. Maybe a Jake McCabe, who's also been in a lot of conversations about the Penguins. Yeah, it's hard to really distinguish who we have and have not been linked to. And like I said, over the past few weeks, we haven't really been quote-unquote linked or uh, in the talks of with anyone. It's all just kind of been fodder of potential or the good or a good fit here and there that's all we've gotten we haven't you know ron hexall's pretty tight-lipped oh yeah the most he's really said is uh whenever he talked with uh talked to the media it was he wouldn't move out a first round pick asterisk to move out money so mm. confusing answer uh he told pierre lebron not too long ago that he's trying to he pretty much said he's trying to tinker with the bottom six which is good um so and then he, no, nothing's really ever been mentioned about defensemen other than maybe the potential fit. I think David Pagnota had us uh, matched with uh, Dmitry Kulikov, which is a weird one. Awful. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, Dmitry Kulikov, but <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's um, we're in a strange place when it comes to defensemen and defenders and stopping pucks. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, a lot to take in. And with eight days left, I mean, I guess we're just going to get our answers soon at this point. I mean, mm -hmm. Patrick Kane still wants traded, and by God, he's starting to eat the world alive. So he, somebody take him. Yeah, we, we talk about how a trade could spark something in the player that's traded, and it did for Tarasenko. I mean, it Ooh. did for Ryan O'Reilly, scored a hat trick earlier this week. It sparked something in Patrick Kane because we all saw the comments he made about the New York Rangers. He's like, oh, you know, that's where I wanted to go. He didn't say that, but like verbatim, he was like, not verbatim, but paraphrasing he was like that's where I wanted to go I don't know where that stands now I don't know if I want to go anywhere now like kind of a child um just taking his ball and going home but then he took his ball and he said you know what if you think my hip's really an issue 
watch what I do next. And oh my goodness, I wish that slap shot goal at the buzzer would have actually counted the other night um, because that was crazy. But since we're talking about the Blackhawks and of course the rest of the show, we're going to talk about trade deadlines, you know, where the Penguins stand, some of the stuff about their forward lines in practice yesterday. But we're just kind of riffing this episode um, because that's what the trade deadline is because everything can change in a matter of an instant. You know, Jeff Petrie has been all over the place this week as far as some insiders' conversations on him. And also, like, he missed practice yesterday. People said, hey, he's sick. Some people, well, the second he missed practice, considering the report that was out 24 hours before, everybody's like, oh, my goodness, it happened? Did he already, ha- like, get traded? And no, he's sick. Marcus Pedersen's wife is having a child. He's also not here. Like, everything can be read into a bathroom break could turn into a Twitter firestorm. So that's why we're just kind of riffing on this episode. But I did look up because we mentioned Jake McCabe as somebody that the penguins have been in connection with. And, you know, some people have positive ideas. Some people have negative ideas. And it got me to thinking, I don't know the cap number, but I wanted to check based on what you said you saw. Peter Morazic's wearing a dark Jersey on NHL.com. <laughs> Maybe it could be one of those join. Two players coming over, trying to fix two things with one one trade. Mrazek and McCabe uh, from the Blackhawks. I don't know. It's just an idea, and that's all, all it is with eight days left till the trade deadline. You just throw ideas at the wall and see what sounds like a good one. Yeah, and that's not totally terrible. I also didn't realize that's the team Mrazek was on. Mm-hmm. I will also say, whenever I say I saw a dark jersey, from my distance, it, whenever I say dark, I mean it could have been black, blue. Okay, so not uh, Mrazek. Yeah, not right. red. It was well, definitely black or blue, maybe uh, trying to look, think of like other dark colors, maybe a green. There's yeah. no real dark green because Dallas has gone to light green. But you see where we're at? We're literally yeah. tinfoil hatting these things based on the color of jersey <laughs> from, I'm going to say, at least 100 feet away at an angle yeah. around through, Ron Hextall's smiling teeth that are overly through glass. big. Yeah. Through it's, glass. Yeah. But we can. Minnesota's got a pretty dark green. If, uh, oh, that's true. Let me just check one thing because you got to remember who their goalie is, right? Well, yeah, Gustafson's been playing more than than the Mark Andre Fleury, and I say the. Oh, that's a dark jersey. All right, well, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, spread that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven million dollars. I don't see that happening. Um, but no, this is this is the thing. I guess we can roll out um, Peter Mrazek based on what you saw, but mm-hmm. you can never rule anything out here um, at the yeah, NHL really. trade deadline because oh. stuff can get ridiculous. And also, you you have to figure. Do they know that screen's visible to the open public because those practices are open to the public? I think they probably feel like most people that are there aren't going to try to look up to the owner's box, Horwat. I think you're (laughs) standing alone as the only person that's there and just ignoring the entire team and the entire practice, which, you know, hopefully Noah doesn't listen to this. He's going to be like, my employee did what? Um Hey, if but anything, ignoring I that have... <laughs> to watch a slideshow of Cap Friendly and NHL.com. And some paperwork. And paperwork, yes. But, hey, you know what? When it's this, when it's crunch time, and truly I don't understand much of what's going on at practice because that's not like I grew up playing the game. <laughs> um, I know what the lines look like, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not tweeting out the lines every practice. We know it was the same. We'll get into that. Um, but... Hey, man, I don't pay that much. I pay attention during practice. I see who's playing where, uh, but I don't try and take in uh, what, how good or bad people are doing at practice. Plus, it's practice. We talk about practice, not yeah. a game. 
practice. Plus, like I said, coming down the stretch of the trade deadline, sometimes watching screens of the general manager is a little more entertaining. Well, it's it's more fun to let the mind go about based on that. Yeah, but, that too. Uh, regardless, uh, that's that's Horowat's time as an international super spy. He gave us no concrete answers, so I guess he's probably fired, or I guess it's blacklisted when you're a spy. Uh, that's what happens, or burn noticed. I don't know. I'm just going down through the shows that I see uh, spy, <laughs> spies get disavowed. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a goaltender that has been rumored to potentially be heading towards the Pittsburgh Penguins, or at least piquing the Penguins' interest here on the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, proud affiliate of Fan Nation. Make sure you check it out. Of course, Jacob Puntori, one of our writers, also Cody Flavel of Flavel's Five Thoughts, has been spitting some fire on the website this week. He has been adamant to get all of his opinions heard this week, and I love every single time he puts out an article. And then, of course, you can hear more of our opinions, but... You know, you already hear a lot of them here. Um, <laughs> still go check out the website because this is also where you can find episodes of Tip of the Iceberg, Penguins to Go, all that fun stuff. But one goaltender, Horwat, that was rumored to be in the crosshairs for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's say that. Potentially a target for the Pittsburgh Penguins because they might need a goaltender. You've classified that at the very least they're looking at NHL.com goaltender pages one guy that we haven't talked about. We had an entire episode on, on goaltenders. We didn't really talk about this guy. That's Cam Talbot of the Ottawa Senators. I say that name, and it seems like a resounding answer on Penguins Twitter when that name comes up, and it's, oh, please no. Like, let's not run down that road because, one, he's 35 years old. Two, he's not having a good season. Three, he's never been anything but a middle-of-the-road goaltender. When you look at what he did last year, he was an all-star for Minnesota. He was their representative at the NHL All-Star Game. 24-12-1, and a 282 goals allowed average, and a 907 save percentage before Marc-Andre Fleury was sent to the Minnesota Wild. Because we all remember mm -hmm. that happened. Fleury goes to the Wild. They thought they needed to add to that goaltending room. And for some reason, my memory was, oh, that it went downhill for Cam Talbot. But it really didn't. Because after the flurry trade, Cam Talbot was 7-0-3, a 2.5 goals allowed average, and a 9.18 save percentage. Now, the as the story goes, which, believe what you can, based on insiders printing stuff, but what I saw, this is basically what I believe happened based on the reports I've read. He was pissed that he didn't receive playing time in the playoffs. Marc-Andre Fleury got the bulk majority of it. And people thought that he wanted out because of that. He said to the Athletic that he never wanted to leave. He liked Minnesota. He did not want to leave. Yes, he was upset that he didn't get playing time in the playoffs, but that's just because he wanted the chance to compete. Sounds about right to me. I know a lot of people said that, hey, Cam Talbot, you know, was, was mad that he got replaced by Marc-Andre Fleury. He didn't want to share the net with Marc-Andre Fleury. He needed to be the guy. I don't know if that's true. 
people are going to write what they're going to write. But as far as what the man said to the athletic, he said he never wanted to leave. He was not pissed about that. He has no ill will towards Marc-Andre Fleury. He even said that when Fleury signed his extension over the summer, that Fleury contacted him before anybody else and said, I wanted to give you a heads up. I didn't want you to get blindsided by this. I wanted you to know as soon as I knew. So it seems like there's no ill will there. It seems like Cam Talbot has no ill will towards the Wild. He's just a competitor that wanted a chance to play in the playoffs, and we can all understand that. That's the opposite of what I had believed until I read into it, which is, again, a great example as to why you should always read into things before saying anything in a public forum. But with that said, he gets moved to Ottawa. This season, he's 12-13-1, has a 2.90 goals allowed average, and a 9.05 save percentage. So, his performance is around the same. The team in front of him is, is not, obviously. And his record is, is suffering from that. Horat, what do you think of the potential of bringing in 35-year-old Cam Talbot, who currently carries a $3.6 million cap hit, which will need to be retained in some places, made up for in some places. What do you think about Cam Talbot as potentially being the 1B to Tristan Jari's 1A in Pittsburgh? It it, it would be interesting. I don't totally hate it. Um, I think he would, I think Cam Talbot would, he would be the 1B that I, you know, said I wanted a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, the guy that can help load manage Tristan Jari down the run here. Uh, one thing I am curious about, though, with it is, does he, does Cam Talbot still aim to be a starting goalie? I think that's something that would have to be discussed before he moves anywhere because um, that's not his role here. He's not a starting goalie here. <clears throat> he's 35. He's making 3.6, uh, even retained 1. Point something. Eight. Probably about what Casey DeSmith is making. Yeah, 1.8. Exactly um, what Casey DeSmith is making. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that would have to pretty much be discussed and knocked down. Um, and so he's in the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. Who knows? He's also just coming off of IR, putting that one out there. He's just coming off of an injury of sort. Um, but and, and Penguin fans have seen enough goalies coming back from injury just to go back to getting hurt. So I, I don't hate the idea if he's able to stay healthy and accept the role as a backup mm. and be a 1B almost. I mean, sure, it's, it, it, at his age, and I'm sure he's, you know, able to accept that of wanting to perform as a backup, as a 1B. But, I mean, that playoff thing last season, that makes me wonder again, like, well, if the Penguins make the playoffs this season, I mean, I'm not going to say is he going to throw that same sort of fit, but is he going to be just as upset? Because then it's a waste of cause. I mean, yeah, we can just let him walk in the offseason, and it's no harm, no foul. Money's gone, and... He's not on the team anymore. Nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. But it's just a bad look in some cases. Plus, I mean, DeSmith has two years, right? He's got an extra year. He still. has one year left, yeah. Oh, man. But then that, then all of a sudden, that starts the search again, right? If we, like, it, let's say we don't play Cam Talbot, but he's upset he doesn't come back. Well, now we're searching for another black, another backup. What happened there? So I don't totally hate it. Numbers are fine for a backup, I guess. Better defense in front of him would be nice. Um, I don't totally hate it. I think that's all I can really leave it at. And also, the thing about Cam Talbot is that we've, you know, the pundits and the insiders have been throwing out, could the Penguins be going to get a goalie? Cam Talbot's the one person that has been connected to the Penguins, goalie-wise. And by connected, I do mean a David Pagnota article listing the Penguins as a potential link, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So take that one for what you will as well. 
that's as much as you're going to get out of the Ron Hextall's Pittsburgh Penguins. He's he's not yeah. saying anything to the media. I don't think anybody in that organization is going to leak, leak anything to the media because they all follow the lead of the general manager, and the general manager is saying, I don't want even an iota of an idea of what I'm doing out in the public, and that's what we've seen. But Cam Talbot is a name that has been connected, like you said, by David Pagnota, just simply in a, hey, this would fit. Now, I understand that last season was last season, and he was upset that he didn't get the chance with Minnesota. I think it would be different here for the simple fact that he was their all-star last year. He was the only guy for them last year until Fleury was traded to there. So he had gotten them to the point at the trade deadline where, hey, we're in contention for the top seed in the Central we're right up there playing against the Colorado Avalanche of the world. We're right up there performing with the best in the Western Conference, and he's the goaltender that's backstopping them to that. And all of a sudden, they go out there and acquire a future Hall of Fame goaltender that just steals the show from them. That, I think, is a little bit more of a tough pill to swallow than I went from a team that's on the outside looking in of the playoffs, even in a, in a really bundled wildcard situation in the East, to, hey, I'm going to a team that has the highest percent chance of making the playoffs still, despite not being in a spot, and I'm going to be a backup. But knowing what the Penguins have done the past two playoffs, two years ago, the Smith was out, and they couldn't turn to anybody but Tristan Jari, despite him struggling mightily against the New York Islanders. Last year, no Tristan Jari, no Casey DeSmith. It ends up being Louis Domingue. I think if you're Ron Hextall and you can make this move happen, with no changes to the salary cap and with not losing any massive pieces, then it's a good move. But at the same time, like I mentioned in the first segment, this is low on the list of needs for the Pittsburgh Penguins. A backup goaltender, yes, I, I do think is something the Penguins would need or a 1B, which is what this would be in this case. It's a massive upgrade. And yeah, it'd be great to say, you know what? They're going to retain 1.8, and we're going to trade Casey to Smith for him, and that washes it out right there. You get rid of Casey to Smith, you're a little in danger because then as soon as the season ends, you have zero goaltenders under contract. But at the same time, when I look at Cam Talbot, I see him as a pure rental. I don't know the price would be that astronomical. It might cost a little bit to get that salary retained a little bit. But, you know, if he's able to duplicate what he did last year as a as a tandem goaltender with Mark Andre Fleury. Like I said, 7-0-3, 2.5 goals allowed, averaging a 9-18 save percentage. That would be great for the Penguins to have behind K or behind Tristan Jari, not only in this final run to a playoff spot cuz every game is going to be so important for the Pittsburgh Penguins and think about the teams they still have yet to play. I mean, they have a week where they play the Rangers 3 times. So, it's going to be a tough schedule to round out the season. If they can get a guy like Cam Talbot to take Tristan Jari's off days instead of Casey DeSmith, you got to like their chances. And also, we've been harping on Ron Hextall for a lot of things. One of the things that he didn't address was goaltending. This would address it in a massive way. But again, I say all of this knowing they need a third line before they need anything else. Mm -hmm. So and next, yeah. if this is the only move he makes... It's still not the greatest move. Like, it might help, but it's still like, what are you doing? But if this is like move number three, where you've already gotten a center and another winger for your middle six, 
then I look at it and I say, okay, you know what? That's a nice ancillary move. It's the Douglas Murray of this trade deadline season. Yeah, I thought you had more to that. That's that's a good one. It is. You're, you'd totally be right. It does knock down one of the issues. Not the biggest one, but one of the. Another thing, too, though, is you got to look at Ottawa's point of view from this, too. We talk about how the bubble teams kind of run from the Islanders to the Sabres. Two points. That's one win. I mean, not a game in hand. But two points behind the Sabres is the Senators. They go on a little run somehow, some way. They're in this. They are in this race too. Who do they have in net if they get rid of Cam Talbot? Anton Forsberg, who is also 30, and is but is sitting at 11-11-2. Is that someone you put in net full-time down the stretch with, with a backups of, oh boy, Mads Sogard? Magnus Helberg or Kevin Mendelsi, Mendelisi, whatever. <laughs> Who are you rolling with in net? If they, if the Ottawa Senators believe they can do something still, I mean, they just cleared up a ton of cap space. They did last with, night. The, with the Zaitsev trade. Could they be in on something? Because they got to do something to make Debrinket happy. Because they want to try and bring him back next season. Because the second, uh, the second. I saw Elliot Friedman tweet out that um, someone's getting traded to Chicago from from Ottawa. I went, why does Patrick Kane going to Ottawa make sense? Because it does. I think it does. Patrick Kane going back to play with his buddy Alex Debrinket. They're both on expiring deals, but you give Debrinket that sort of confidence of, okay, we're trying to build something here, and you did so by bringing back a buddy of mine who is, by the way, firing on all cylinders Mm -hmm. suddenly you got the likes of Alex to bring it back in your court all right you also brought in Patrick Kane for what could be a like I said they're two points behind being in the the bubble here yeah they could be in this they bring Patrick Kane in who's on this tear suddenly the uh, Ottawa Senators are a stout team and who's playing goal for them do you want I mean sure maybe they get Casey DeSmith back do you want Casey DeSmith as your backup with Anton Forsberg I just, not stopping pucks. <laughs> I just don't think that organizationally the Ottawa Senators are in a place to go for it right now. Uh, I don't. I, I think they did in the offseason. Obviously, you saw they added Dabrinkit. You mentioned that. They added Claude Giroux as well. They have a lot of young talent on that roster, and they thought, hey, this is where we're going to turn the corner. And they got off to such a bad start that, yes, now they're turning things around. Tim Stutzla is on an absolute tear right now through the NHL since January 1st. But I don't think they're in a position to go out there and say, you know what, I know we're close, but there's so many teams in this hunt. There are so many teams in this hunt. And I know that a lot of these teams have struggled, which is why Senators, Red Wings have been elevated into this little race. But those struggles aren't going to continue for all five of those teams. You know, I, I, I like the Senators. I loved them coming into the season. I just don't think that they're in a position organizationally. Let's not forget, they're in the middle of a sale as well. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is trying to buy them, for Christ's sakes. I, I don't think organizationally they're in a place right now to to buy at the deadline and to go all in at the deadline when there's still four or five teams separating them from even a playoff spot. And then when you get in, who are you playing? And where are you at right now organizationally with all these young guys you have time to wait. So I think 
that them going for it is certainly an idea, but I just don't see it happening this season for them. So that's why I think they're still sellers at the deadline. That's why I think they don't really care much about keeping Cam Talbot for the last quarter of the season. Yeah, I can I can see that, but my thought process also goes to they have nothing really to lose this season. Then why not? I mean, you don't gain much next season if you go out and sell off a first round pick, obviously. But why not? Is because um, you're a, a young team that's not in their contending window yet, and you can get assets for somebody in Cam Talbot who might be out the door this summer. You, you then you know, then do, then try and then try and do it with with uh, whatever goalie I just named before. Uh, Anton Forsberg. Then shoot for it with Anton Forsberg. Why not? Because Value even if you run the league, but continue. Yeah, fair. But still, you get what I'm saying. But um, let's say you're the one pulling in uh, Patrick Kane somehow. He's in the last year of his deal. I'm going to keep rolling to this. And this is why. Because <laughs> this is the why not go for it for them. Uh, because you got Patrick Kane in the last year of his deal. Alex Debrinkit in the last year of his deal, albeit an RFA. Next year, no matter what. A new, a new contract starts for Tim Stutzla. A new contract starts for Artem Zub. And then, who else do we have sitting around here? Drake Batherson's extent, extension kicked in this year. Matthew Joseph will be here for a few more years. Claude Giroux still has two seasons left after this year. Yeah. And Brady Kachuk is just going to be 24 next year. So, and I don't know what Patrick Kane has left in the tank. He's proving to still have a lot. I think if... They really wanted to. They could absolutely go for it this year to get, break in, make a little noise, not much. Do what the Penguins did in their first run. You got here. Mm-hmm. You got the taste. You know what it's like now. Mm-hmm. All these young kids that I just mentioned. Brady Kachuk, not so much Claude Giroux. Alex Dabrinkit, uh, Tim Stutzla, Thomas Shabbat, forgot about him on the back end. Artem Zub, he's not as young. But all these guys, now they have that taste. They got a new ownership, less meddling. Also, making the postseason makes you a lot more appealing to buyers. Yeah. Suddenly, the Ottawa Senators should try and go for it a little. And like I said, they just sold off a ton of cap space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fire away, boys. A couple of things here. One, comparing the 2023 Ottawa Senators to the 2007 Pittsburgh Penguins is something I did not expect to happen on this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. And number two... When, you, when it comes to uh, Patrick Kane, and we'll move on and talk about the Penguins uh, in the final segment of the show here. <laughs> yes. Um, and Patrick Kane, you mentioned what does he have left in the tank. There's a reason the man's nickname is Showtime Patrick Kane. If he gets into the playoffs, he's making a difference. Now, if it happens to be with the New York Rangers, it's along the same things as you mentioned with Ottawa. He's going back to play with a buddy. You know, Patrick Kane and Alex Brinkett was great. Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin was ridiculous. So seeing that, not to mention Panarin already got a buddy there and uh, yes. Vladimir Tarasenko, it'd be hard to, to bet against the New York Rangers in the postseason. But we're going to take a quick break and get back to Penguins hockey after this one. Penguins are staying true to their forward lines. At least it appears to be like that. We'll talk about that and the definition of insanity right after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Yesterday, Horwat, when you were trying to uh, peek and and be a peeper 
in the Pittsburgh Penguins management boxes. There was a practice going on in front of you. Um, and in that practice, I hope you at least noticed that they stayed true to their forward lines. Uh, sticking with this collaboration here, Gensel, Crosby, Raquel, Zucker, Malkin, Rust as the top six. The third line that everybody loves to watch, McGinn, Carter, and Kapanen stuck together. And Drew O'Connor, Teddy Bluger, and Josh Archibald were out there as the fourth line. The definition of insanity, Horwat, I've seen a lot of people tweet it, so I figured I might as well say it, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. The Pittsburgh Penguins have now lost three straight games. Uh, they are out of a playoff spot as of right now. And the trade deadline is still eight days away. What do you make of the Penguins and Mike Sullivan continuing to run the same forward lineup, at least in practice on Wednesday? I just have to wonder what else does he have to work with? Truly. That's a big thing. That's part. That's that's that might be the biggest part of it. What else does he have to work with? Sure, Brock McGinn is about as good as I don't know, playing a man down. Um, I, do you throw Dan Hine in there? Do you want to do that? At this point, yes, I'd say. Um, but it's infuriating because also, okay, fine, then slip all three of those guys or keep Kapanen on the third line and bump Carter and McGinn down to the fourth. Okay, first of all, hold to that, Mike. We saw this experiment once. It didn't go well. Second, um, then what? It's not like you improved the third line at all. Teddy Bluger also hasn't scored since the eighth grade picnic. Mm. And Josh Archibald? I... He's not playing. I mean, maybe he's the one that stays on the fourth line. Uh, and the last name is escaping me. Drew O'Connor, who should be on the third line. So, yeah, maybe it looks better on paper. Here we go again with the on-paper talk. It's it, what does Mike Sullivan truly, truly have to work with here? They need to and, burn the dang paper. Yeah. It doesn't matter the at paper. this point of the year. Yeah. It, the top six can do only do so much. They're doing the best they can. They're doing great. They look great. They won't let this team die until the end of the game. Um, but that bottom six, I just don't know what else Mike Sullivan has in, in the tank to, to to throw out as an option. And also, you talk about the definition of insanity. That was what a lot of people were using over the offseason to bring back the core. Mm -hmm. you're, you're doing the same. At this point, this team is just insane. <laughs> we're doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. We brought back the core because we're because we expect a different result from them. Not that they're not going to give it to us, but... Uh, we, that's that was one of the things being used in the idea of why we shouldn't re-sign Malkin and Latang. Well, because they haven't given us anything more than a first-round exit for the past few seasons. And now here we are talking about the bottom six of throwing out the same six names over and over and over again and expecting something different. We're all losing our minds. Mm -hmm. And it's fair, but again, what does Mike Sullivan have to work with? Dan Heinen, who also scratched right now. Yeah. Everyone else is hurt. Yeah, uh, Dan Heinen is not an answer to any of these questions that I'm going to ask because I don't feel like Dayton Heinen really has a place on this team anymore. Um, he might be an improvement of a sort, but not much, man. That's the he, thing. It's not much. He brings a little bit more scoring chances, I would say. I think he has a higher ceiling than Brock McGinn, but also he is so above and beyond worse defensively that how much is it hurting versus helping, especially considering the season he's had? Like, how much offensive input is he really going to bring to this lineup? I don't know. Um, and I, I really feel like, and I, I've, I've talked about this, I feel like, a couple of times. I can't remember where I've said it. 
But I feel like Danton Heinen, they're holding on to him as a potential trade chip. Saying, hey, listen, $1 million, contracts up at the end of the season, does have the capability to score at this level. We've seen it before. He's just not going to fit with us. Here's a potential trade chip. And that's why they're just holding on to him up in the press box. And I feel like if he doesn't get moved by the deadline, just bury him. Bury the contract. Bring somebody else up in his spot for that $1 million and and make do with that. Give somebody the opportunity because it doesn't seem like Dayton Hine is going to get an opportunity. I mean, we talk about this, this third line, and the biggest issue is they don't produce offensively. They don't. Now, they don't get caved in defensively all the time. Sometimes they do, but that's the one thing they can do. You know, Jeff Carter can, can win faceoffs. Brock McGinn is, is decent on the defensive side of the puck. Kasperi Kapanen is at least defensively responsible, but none of them are scoring. I mean, Brock McGinn has zero points in 2023. It's almost March. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen leads that line with two goals and three assists in 2023. Jeff Carter has two goals and one assist. So you would think that if they just wanted to try something new to get some offense out there, Dayton Heinen would be the guy they'd go to. But they haven't. And there's a reason for that. It's because they don't trust Dayton Heinen anymore. And for better or for worse, that's where it seems like they stand. It seems like his time in Pittsburgh is done. The only way he's getting in there is if there are injuries, because Drew O'Connor's consistently getting a jersey over him. Like, that's not where the season started. The season started with Heinen on the third line and Drew O'Connor in the minors. So it seems like they've lost faith in Danton Heinen, which is why I don't put him into these conversations. It's an option for Mike Sullivan. But also, could it be that the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mike Sullivan are holding off on trying to shake anything up in the lineup until after the trade deadline to see if anything else comes around? Uh, maybe, but you have to figure this. You have four at least. Four more games. Five. You have five games. <laughs> really? You have five games. There's that one in March. There's tonight, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday the 28th, and then March 2nd. Next Thursday. You have, yeah, you have five games mm-hmm. between now and the trade deadline. Five games could sink you. Yeah. These five games could sink you. That's ten standings points. Ten. When, what did I just say about Ottawa? They're two out. Yeah. If they go on a hot run in those, I don't know how many games they play, but they go on the, on a run up until then, suddenly they're jumping us. Mm-hmm. So the idea of waiting until after the deadline also doesn't make sense. So here we are, insanity. Um, I don't really understand the point of waiting i think at this point screw it just give heinen his chance i don't know because no. brock mcginn's not doing anything at this point call someone up fig i don't again i don't know because what options does mike sullivan have here yeah well here's the thing too I, I i remember obviously why brock mcginn is in that spot because we've all mentioned it and last season brock mcginn was a fourth liner and there was no doubt about it and we were all like yeah he's a perfectly fine fourth liner this season he started yeah he's a perfectly fine fourth liner maybe a little overpaid but perfectly fine fourth liner then he goes on that stretch in december where he scored i don't know how many goals and most of them looked like they had vaseline on the puck cuz it squeaked through every goaltender imaginable then they said okay let's let's put him on the third line let's capitalize on this offensive outburst and it worked for a little while and the Pittsburgh Penguins were winning games. But now, for some reason, they feel like it's it's blasphemy to take him off that line when Drew O'Connor, while he might not have 
scoring prowess better than Brock McGinn. I don't know. It, it's that, To me, it's at the same level. Why do you not allow Drew O'Connor, who is younger, who has shown the desire to forecheck, who has shown the desire to just get pucks on the net? That's the one thing I noticed in the last game. Above all else, I mean, I talked about his game in general. Yes, he does make the stupid mistake that leads to the first goal for, who do they even play? The Islanders. It's been it's been a couple days. Um, it's all right. He does make the mistake that leads to the first goal for the Islanders, but there were also a couple other instances on that play where Penguin could have made it and not given up the goal. Why not give Drew O'Connor, in my opinion, more of an extended look at that third-line spot, and why are we so determined to keep Brock McGinn as a third liner when the entire time that he was in Pittsburgh up until December, he was a fourth liner and there was no question about it. And now all of a sudden we can't take him off the third line for some ungodly reason. I don't, I don't understand that. I think that's one move that could be made. And I also, I, I didn't even answer my own question. If he's holding off till the deadline, that is a massive mistake by, by uh, Mike Sullivan. But I didn't think I needed to add that because we had both said there's 10 standing standings points on the line and you can't afford to really just siphon off any points at this time because you need to go in order to get into the playoffs yeah the only bonus of those 10 standings points is that none of them are against metro metro division rivals it's edmonton st louis two against tampa bay which that being in the east doesn't help and then nashville yeah none of them are four point swings which i guess is a positive which is fine that's fine it's not ideal still no it's a positive it's not good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you also, I mean, also, look at the skill of those teams. Where Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, number one and two in scoring in the league, are in here tonight. Two games against Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov. One against St. Louis, who are in the middle of selling off, but also might bring in one of the biggest trade chips of the of the year. Sure, whatever, St. Louis is doing their thing. They can just send Barbashev back to Pittsburgh with the Penguins. That would be great. Yeah, and then there's Nashville, <laughs> who... Uh, Nashville. They're 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 Nashville this year, I guess. They're middling. a they're a middling Nashville team as they usually middling are. around Nashville back to being Nashville. Okay, so there's a couple of winnable games in there too. Yeah, you. I mean, plus here's the other the other thing. You drop those five. Suddenly we're in an eight game losing streak, and we're talking about the third lengthy losing streak this team has had this season. At that point, sell. At that point, sell. Sell the yeah. farm. Dude, like at that point, sell who you have now, sell the farm. I'm not saying rebuild. I'm saying get some pieces and go at it next year. At that point, give up the year. Three oh, losing yeah. streaks like that? Ho, ho, ho. Nope. Yeah. Nope. That would be three losing streaks of seven games or more, which would be honestly ridiculous considering the, the last seven-game losing streak before this season was, what, 2012? Um, so you go oh, ten years with you, you go over ten years without having a seven game losing streak, and you have three in the same season. You know, if, if they lose those games, I agree with you. Sell. Um, I think the at that moment, what you do is you give yourself the cleanest slate possible for this summer. Doesn't mean sell Dumlin. Fine, keep Dumlin. He's going to be a clean slate this summer anyway. At that point, it's you know Jason Zucker. At that point, it's. Uh, I mean, Kapanen, if there's any value there. Um, at that point, people have said, Jari, no, because you just have nothing else. And we've already went over this before. There's nobody in the free agent market at goaltending that's going to be as good as Tristan Jari. So if you trade Tristan Jari, I need a, I need a new team to cover. I, I can't. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can cover a team that's that blatantly stupid. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, 
But back to the, the, the thing and the last thing I wanted to mention. When it comes to insanity with the third line and anything they could possibly do, I saw a glimmer of hope when I saw one shift on Monday night. And people are going to just roast me for this take, and I understand it. But still, I saw one shift on, on Monday that said, you know what? Maybe give Kasperi Kapanen a chance with Evgeny Malkin again. Do it. Absolutely do it. Don't care. Do it. Because that third line needs a help. Brian Russ down there could help. Yep. And, and there, there was one shift. It might have just been because Kapanen was out there late on a shift and Malkin had just gotten out there. It was an offensive zone shift. Malkin feeds Kapanen. Kapanen cuts to the front of the net and gets a really good shot on goal. Gets a great opportunity against the Islanders. And another really good save by Ilya Sorokin, which he was full of him on Monday. God. But that Can't gave me hope, that, not to mention the fact that playing Kapanen with Malkin has worked in the past. Kapanen, I think we can all agree, is the best of the three guys on the third line right now. Somehow, someway. And if you need to change something up, doing that at least gives you a different look. And honestly, the only thing I hate is that the best player, in my opinion on the ice that wasn't all part of the first line on, on Monday was Brian Rust. And I hate that that sounds like a demotion for him by putting him on the third line, but they just, they need something else. Uh, and Brian Rust drives play a little better than Kasperi Kapanen does. Um, and Brian Rust also plays at the speed and pace closer to uh, Brock McGinn and Jeff Carter. Now nobody plays at a slow pace as Jeff Carter on this team, but Rust is closer than Kapanen, and you give Kapanen at least a fighting chance of making something of the rest of the season. So that's that's the only other thing I can see them doing. But at the end of the day, if those are your options, like how do we fix this this bottom six? We either switch the third and fourth line left wing or we switch the second and third line right wing, and that's the only thing you can do. That's an issue. So I, that's where I'm going to leave that, Horwat. Any last thoughts on on the Pittsburgh Penguins and their current forward lineup and any other ideas uh, that Mike Sullivan certainly won't listen to because he doesn't listen to the podcast, but I don't know what else he can do. Like I said, it's he's working with what he has. I don't totally hate the idea of trying Dan Heinen over Brock McGinn, even in a small sample size, just to see if something jumps. Yeah. I don't hate the idea of bumping Russ to a third line to try and get some juice there and giving Kapanen another shot, one last try, because he's not earned it, but he's the best player on the line right now. Ah, and I, this team is insanity. So if those are your only two options. Someone's got to get on a phone. Someone's got to stop looking at goalies on NHL.com and uh, get some skaters. Yeah. Get a skater. Get something. You hit another lengthy losing streak. Uh, first of all, I don't know who survives. Probably not Ron Hextall. Listen, we already mentioned that on Monday's episode. Ron Hextall doesn't survive unless this team goes on an Eastern Conference Finals run. Ooh. And I stay, that's, and that's I stay true lot. to that. I stay and true that's to that. for a lot. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Like, like There's going to be a lot of talk of math in the uh, in the closing weeks here. Um, and the math might look good for the Penguins. That's mm -hmm. fine. Two streaks, if that's the case, will continue then. I said this before. The two streaks are the playoff streak, which is fine. Good dandy to see that extend. Love that. Just don't turn into the Red Wings. Mm -hmm. 
But then you turn to the Red Wings by losing in the first round for the blank consecutive year. The number always escapes me. Mm-hmm. So that being said, the two streaks may continue. But who knows? This top six won't let this team die. Yeah. And also, when, when if you mention, uh, yeah, it'd be, it would suck to see Jason Zucker go, but by God, I don't want to see that happen because this team lacks toughness, and he's the closest thing we have. He also loves this team. He loves this crowd, mm-hmm. and it's so much fun watching him play. Yeah, he's a spark plug. He is, he is the most entertaining player to watch without the puck nine times out of ten. Yeah. Oh, this team is insanity. Yeah. Uh, two more things really quickly. I, I know yes. we, we were wondering if we'd even get two segments into this show. Holy crap. Um, your two streaks continue. If they add Max Domi and somehow Patrick Kane in a joint deal, do you think that that changes it? Or like, what do you think needs to happen for the, you to believe that this team could win a playoff series? Tristan Jari's got to steal a couple of games in the postseason. Uh, mm-hmm. The bottom six needs its help. The thing about Domi, they don't think he wants to leave anymore. I believe he's yeah. got the clauses in there that make him the deciding factor. Uh, but I heard from Elliot Freeman on 32 Thoughts that Max Domi might not even want to leave anymore. And that <laughs> if Chicago's in the mood for a rebuild... That, oh, have you seen Chicago's cap friendly? Uh, I've looked at it, but I've never really taken it wholesale. Uh, every single one of their forwards is out of contract after next season. My They're Lord. either done this year or next year. Blank slate for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. And don't not to mention, scroll up to their uh, draft picks. Oh, yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. So uh, they and they and pretty much uh, Friedman said Domi can be a guy that is a true leader on that team that went through hell and can be the new captain if this is it for Jonathan Taves, which, by the way, would suck for him. But yeah, you never know. Yeah. The stuff <laughs> coming out about Taves is just it's extremely unfortunate. And obviously we, we send him the best. And, you know, it's it's sad to see a player that was once at the pinnacle of this sport, once the captain, like it was him and Crosby were, you know, which one's the best captain? One of these two guys. Um, it, it sucks to see him uh, obviously dealing with what he's dealing with right now. So all the best to him. And then um, Domi, you know, it'd be unfortunate. That's, you know, and everybody listening to this knows that has been my like prized possession of what the Penguins should get. I think they, I, I think that would be perfect, a perfect fit in Pittsburgh and exactly what they need. But, you know, if he wants to stay in Chicago, Honestly, the league's better when Chicago is a good team. Um, the league is better off when Chicago is a good team. I'm excited to see what, I believe it's Kyle Davidson is the general manager there, what he's able to do with this blank slate that he's creating for himself. But he, Domi um, does not have the clauses, by the way. So if Kyle Davidson wanted to make that move, he could. Yeah. But it's a matter of, I'm sure they, Chicago is in no place to just sell people off willy-nilly, though. I'm sure they still want to get approval from their players. Yeah. Yeah, that... that they're in an interesting spot organizationally. Yeah. Certainly. Considering they just took on Nikita Zaitsev for literally future considerations. <laughs> they wanted the second and third round pick, which again, you know, is Zaitsev's contract, if you still have that up, is Zaitsev's contract up after this season or how long? Nope, is he they have up? another year. Oh, one year. Buying it for a second and third round pick when you're not going to go anywhere this year, probably not next year. Not, not a bad thing. Um, you do need, you do need to hit the cap floor eventually. Um, but the last thing I'll leave everybody with before we head out for this one is Alex Nylander. This is a hot take. It's a great take. Alex Nylander will be in the Penguins lineup the first game after the trade deadline. That is a great take. It is a hot take because it's very unlikely, but I like it. I, I, I didn't say it was a bad take. I said it was a hot take. 
Um, because I feel like I feel like the Penguins are hoarding their 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 chips that they can, their trade chips, because they don't have very many. Danton Heinen is one of them. And I think it's in coordination with that. I think if Heinen doesn't go anywhere, Heinen gets buried in the minors, Nylander takes his roster spot, and I think that means the end for probably Brock McGinn. Um, in the lineup, I think McGinn starts to get some healthy scratches at that moment in time if he's still in the lineup or if he's still in the organization. And I think you see a player like Alex Nylander get in the lineup. Not to mention the fact that, listen, McGinn, Captain, one of those guys could get traded in the next eight days. I think Alex Nylander, regardless, ends up in the lineup some way, somehow, first game after the trade deadline. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, I have a feeling that that's what you're going to see. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Penguins in action later this evening against the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid on a historic streak this season. Just absolutely phenomenal player. Should be fun to watch him and Crosby go head-to-head once again. But that's it for this one. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.